Welcome to our podcast, Band BFFs. The podcast where we make your music selection less complicated. Today's episode, we're going to be discussing Dance Celebration by Robert W. Smith. Cheers to starting the conversation. All right, this piece, this very popular piece, is in the key of concert B-flat, 4-4 time throughout. It's a really fast tempo, but the style is really more flowing all the way throughout. It's about two minutes long. Uh, No split parts at all. Everything is a single part throughout. Lots of percussion considerations in here, and all of the percussion parts are really important, so you want to make sure that you have all of those covered. Absolutely. Um, There is no major snare drum parts here at the very beginning and really no major percussion. So your students really have to learn from the beginning to watch and internalize the pulse. Again, that's really important because it is a faster paced piece. You do have to cover the bells part in dance celebration. It is very important over and over and it comes back and it is not doubled by upper woodwinds like in some other pieces. Um, So as Laura said, try to make sure everything is covered even if one student has to cover two different things. So as we're getting to the beginning, we're starting off and we have just the woodwinds. And then when the brass enter in, we're starting mezzo piano, doing a little bit of a crescendo and then coming back down. Sometimes when I've played this with my band, um, the kids have gotten really excited about the crescendo and they kind of go overboard and it sounds not as good as it could. So make sure you teach from the very beginning, maybe using numbers to talk about your dynamic contrast. Like we're going to start at a level three and we're going to do three, four, five, six, five, four, three. And this piece is so great for teaching dynamics. Absolutely. And you can do that on your daily exercises with your band. Um, You can just play a concert F for eight counts and practice doing a little crescendo and then a little decrescendo so everybody feels confident in that because they they all have that at measures three and four and again never lose lose sight of the tuba being the most important part to be heard not the long flute part uh, up top so one of the things that I think um, in this piece, really, this is general for, for anything, but in this piece specifically, uh, Katie's talking about using that number system. I think that's really important. You can end up having what you think are tuning issues when your students are playing these crescendos totally. that really are not tuning issues. They're balance issues right. with people that are on the third of the chord crescendoing way more than people that are on the root of the chord. So that can sometimes sound like a tuning problem when it's not. It is a balance issue. So teaching the kids to balance down to that low tuba sound, the root of the chord, can really help fix that from the beginning. Absolutely. And just to note, trumpets do have a lot of Ds. Um, like at measure four, for instance. So they must kick so that that can be better in tune. Clarinets are chilling on a G. They need to use resonance fingerings either by completely right hand down or whatever will make them be better in tune. That's really important to take note of, like Laura said, to make sure that we sound equal here. 
Um, at measure seven, the bells are very important again and all alone on that part. So you do have to have somebody play that for sure. Um, you'll want to talk to your students about when they have these long notes tied across the bar line, like in flute and clarinet, you'll want to talk about stagger breathing and how to do that to make sure that you plan it out for them. Laura and I believe in taking our students' parts before we pass out for um, any concert and we will mark up the part for them like if they have accidentals to think about or like a like flutes need to be on the thumb flat side um, just to name a couple little small things this would be a good opportunity for you to say like if you're getting you're the a breather and you're the b breather a's are going to breathe in measure six b's are going to breathe in measure seven that creates a seamless uh longer sound and that way the kids don't all breathe on bar lines which of course is the the mo for everybody in band um and then we're doing another crescendo day crescendo here at seven and eight you do want to make sure kids articulate firmly enough that you can hear that there are two half notes here instead of two whole notes um, but not overdoing it it should still be seamless um, then at nine we have the beginning we have the same thing as the beginning but then trumpets come in one measure later so make sure trumpets play that confidently and again remember to kick on their d's and maybe even uh making sure that they're um, balancing to the woodwinds and not overplaying them. And then at 11, we have our first split parts where the, the higher people keep going and lows have something different. Um, we want to make sure that if they do have the long note, like at 11 in the flute, oboe, trumpet, that they're playing underneath the, the new part, which would be the horn, sax, trombone, euphonium. Still no tuba here. So you want to make sure that those parts are are being the focal point and everybody else plays underneath them. And then flutes, we would teach that they will release on beat one with oboe and clarinet of measure 12 and take a breath mark there. Release, two, three, four, one. So that way it's like a very obvious movement together in measure 12. Now, right there at measure 12, and I'm sorry, Katie, I just You're wanted good. to jump in with this. Right there at measure 12, those horns are sitting on a third space C. Mm. Everyone who has that long note is on a unison concert F there. So if your horns are having trouble hitting that C, I would either take my horns out of that note. Uh, you might put them down an octave, but that's a pretty big skip going, going from right. a third line B flat down to a, a C below the staff. So you might just leave your horns out, or if there's one horn that can play it well, then have them do that. But because that note is unison and all of those whole notes, you want to make sure that it's secure and confident. So totally. don't be don't be afraid to modify that if you need to. And your alto sax is on a D in that exact same chord, so make sure they're using the left hand B key to bring the pitch down on that. D as well and then that is hard in the horn every time we've played this man we've had to work with our horns a lot because they're coming from the third space seed all the way down to a D they already have to do that in measure 13 so just isolating or you know letting that be like an alto solo and not having your horns play if you have horns that's a consideration we have another important bell part at 14 all by themselves um, they have a little solo so just you know, make a big deal out of them. Bells don't normally get to, you know, have something fun. And then we all have a crescendo coming into 17, which is where the piece uh, stylistically kind of changes a bit. Don't overdo the crescendo. Everybody, again, maybe use the number system so that we don't go too loud. And again, balance down to the tuba. The snare drum finally enters and provides the, the pulse for the next little section. All right, so when we get to 17, now one of my favorite 
tricks. Well, I say tricks. This, I think it's just a good teaching strategy. Um, when working on any piece is to uh, create a melody sheet for the entire band. Love so that. I like to take, you know, if there's uh, one or two, maybe maybe it is a melody line, maybe it's an accompany, accompaniment line, and you write it out for everyone in the band. That way, even your tubas that may just be sitting there playing some long notes or whatever most of the time get a chance to move around a little bit. It gives you an opportunity to teach style, write notes, rhythms, note lengths to the band as a whole before applying it to the piece. Now, looking at what happens at 17, this is a a classic example of where I think a melody sheet would be really awesome. This accompaniment line that you have at 17, uh, the tendency is for people to play these notes too short. Dot, dot, dot. And we want full body of sound resonance here. And again, when you put that in a melody sheet and you can practice the whole band playing all of this together, it really, really is beneficial. And I, bell, like, I like how he also writes it with the accent on beat three. Da. Da, 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 yep. da, da, And we teach the kids to make that be a full value quarter note Absolutely. all the way to the rest. Sound touches silence every time. Yes. The bells and the timpani or low tom, if you don't have timpani, are super important here. Yes. They are going opposite of what the wind players are doing. So making sure that the percussionists and the wind players feel really secure with that. Once we get to measure 21, clarinets get to take over um, the melody here, which is awesome. All right, so clarinets playing big, full, strong. Uh, the accompaniment part needs to back down, which it is written dynamically for them to back off. But we but might tell them to go lower than it, even mezzo Exactly, and yeah. you may even have to thin some of those parts out. You may have to take some players out in order to make sure that you hear the clarinets. I tell my students all the time that a score is a recipe and I'm the chef. Now, this is like making music is not like baking, which is a very precise science. You have to use the exact right measurements. This is like creating a meal, and I have to use the ingredients I have in front of me. So this piece was written for certain instrumentation, and we may not have that exact instrumentation. And me as the chef, I get to kind of tweak the recipe for the ingredients that I have. And kids understand that. They understand that analogy. So if you only have three or four clarinets, you may need to thin out the alto sax and Because we're going to for sure have a billion saxes. That's exa I mean, that's exactly. like how it always goes. Exactly. That's right. All right. So this continues on uh, with the same type of thematic element until you get to 29. And here at 29, we're continuing again, and we're adding in the flutes to join in with the clarinets. So what I've told my flutes in the past is now you get to take over and be the star of the show. Clarinets, you're the supporting actor, back off a tiny bit. And then oboe, goodness gracious, I remember last time I played this, the poor little oboes could not fit into the band here very easily. So maybe like only have one oboe play this part, or maybe like don't have them play at all if you have really loud oboes. That just might be something to consider, um, just speaking from personal experience. Or you can alternate two or four measure phrases. Like That's if you a great have, idea. If you have two oboes, maybe one plays two measures, yep. one plays the next two measures. Yep. And trumpets come in too, so remind them not to come in any louder than the flutes. The flutes 
Lutes get to be the new star of the show. The tambourine also adds in at 29, and that's the driving pulse behind the band. So just ensure that they come out, and um, timpani and bells should have backed down as well whenever the clarinets entered um, a while back. And then this is also, again, a great opportunity to continue making sure you hear that accent on beat three. That's kind of a cool thing um, that was written in that I think sometimes bands don't always um, make happen whenever I'm judging them. So that's a cool thing to hear. Um, we want to make sure that in the melody they're doing the tongue slur tongues correctly. This is definitely a spot where flutes will like to slur too much. Ta, 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 ta. That is not correct. So you need to make sure they do ta, 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 ta. And again, when we're writing in the parts for the kids to make sure that they're successful, we would take the opportunity to write T-S-T on those spots to make sure that the kids are definitely articulating that correctly. Um, now we're going to build again into 37. This is our first big moment for the piece. Um, and timpani and snare drum um, are really going to help us drive into 37. And once we get to 37, this is the um, like the first big, big moment, moment yeah. for the full ensemble. Right. All right. Uh, so um, this part in the horns... Uh, well, first of all, we want to make sure we all arrive together, clear articulation. We have a concert B-flat chord um, that you land on right here. And some of our, like the altos and the horns are on the third of the chord. Um, like Katie talked about before, I know this goes by really fast, but you still want to make sure that that, no, that chord is going to be nice and in tune. You may want to have the altos add the their B, uh, or, or I'm sorry, they're on, it's concert D, sorry. Um, the horns, this is a big thing. I have my horns. I would go player by player on this, but this whole section from 37 to 48, mm -hmm. they can play on the non-trigger side of the horn. So they can play it on the F side of the horn. And... Often, for most of my horn players, that will be more in tune than playing it on the B-flat side of the horn. So again, I would go player by player to find out what's going to be the most in tune for them and then have them mark that in their part and do that, um, whether they're using trigger or not using trigger. And then in the low brass, man, we have lots of A naturals here. This is going to be really important that your uh, low brass feel really confident on those A naturals. I preach to my trombone players one inch of silver, an inch of silver on those A naturals. So when they go to that second position, they should not see more than an inch of silver. That second position is way closer to first than it is to third. And that may be something that you have to slow down and spend some time on to lock in that tuning. And one of my favorite people in life, Mike Beavers, once <laughs> told me that second position is closer to first than it is to third. And when you say that to students over and over, that really does help with the A natural tuning. And that is a big deal in this piece. While we're talking about this horn and alto part at 37, so horn is going to the high C, mm -hmm. alto is going to D, Add the B key. There's that B key. Clarinet right. is all over the throat tones here. This is just a recipe for bad tuning if we're not thinking about what we need to do. So clarinets need to have their, their right hand down. They need to be thinking if, if that's necessary to make them be in tune. Saxes need to make sure that they're not sharp. Horn needs to make sure that they're not sharp. So this is a great place to isolate all those parts together uh, and hear the lines and make sure that students aren't sticking out. Like Laura said, thinking about ways to make them sound just as seamless as possible. And 
flutes right here we're coming from 36 to 37 they have to do an octave jump so just make sure you're working on get them getting the b flat out correctly uh with their their air and not overblowing to make the high b flat come out otherwise it will be sharp and again mess up your chord tuning and depending on how many flutes you have i might split my section and right. have half of my flutes up and half of my flutes down an octave just to help with some of that tuning and don't let them breathe from 36 to 37 right. i know that sounds really silly but, you know, they like to breathe on bar lines, and that's that's a pivotal moment, so don't let them do it. This whole section from 37 to 45, every measure, almost every measure, has an accent on beat one right. for all of the wind players and the percussion. We want to make sure that we hear that, that that accent is really coming through. We're emphasizing beat one for everybody throughout that whole section. And then make sure that we catch in the snare part that they need to turn the snares off as they are transitioning into this new idea at 45. Um, and real quick, looking back at 40, timpani get to have this really cool part coming into 41 or low tom, whichever mm -hmm. one you're using. So just make sure you see those like really isolated percussion parts. Again, they're very important on this piece. So coming into 45, this is literally just a recap. Now we have flute and trumpet on melody and the oboe and the clarinet are the secondary part. They need to play softer and not play louder than the melody here. The accompaniment line, same thing. We're just continuing to make sure we have full value low notes. If you have a little bit of a weaker low brass and low reed section, this piece is pretty good for you because they don't have a lot of exposed melody until we get to measure 53. They have what I call their moment in the sunshine here and they get two measures of an important part. But that's not bad, right? Like you can spend some time in that, making sure that they sound really nice, um, getting their G's in tune at the end of 54. But that's, that's it. That's it for your low people. So if you, again, don't have the most, uh, you know, incredibly amazing parts for your low people, this is good because it's very rarely do they have the important things. Now watch out in the accompaniment here in the low voices, tenor berry, all of that in the low brass. Watch out that they, the tendency for them is going to be in this part to go um, one, rest, uh, rest, 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 da, da. Mm -hmm. da, da. They're not going to play those notes equal length. So make sure that all of those quarter notes are equal length. Four, one, two, three, four, three, four, one. They're going to want to make the last note of that shorter than everything else. So make sure that you don't allow them to do that. Yes. And then going on, we have another little crescendo coming into 57. And then we get this really cool moment here. Yeah, so at 57, this is a cool staggered entrance where we all have the same idea. One, two, three, and four. And I, when you have these long tied notes, you're, again, you're going to have to, um, for some of the parts, you may have to mark in some staggered breathing if the kids are having trouble making a, a three-measure uh, phrase in one breath right there. Um, but I also have the students think of those long notes like forte pianos. So the low brass and horns and altos, da, da, dia, da. Da, da, dia, da. Exactly. They get out of the way so they or make the room for the next section to come in. That's a good little teaching tool for them. And then the timpani has a really important part mm -hmm. underneath. So just making sure that they feel confident on their entrance. 
and we basically drive it home to the end. This time, though, we have accents on beat three, just like at the beginning with the accompaniment line. So just making sure that we're still hearing that. Low brass finally get another little moment in the sunshine here at 61 to the end. And it's so important. Yeah, and you want to make sure everybody else backs off to them so that they sound really confident and they're building us into the last little part. The the leading tone from 63 to 64 is the always worst out of tune. Is the worst note in the, in the trombone. Whole yeah, so make sure that the A natural is in tune um, and that the B natural and the trumpets mm -hmm. is in tune. Sometimes they undershoot, don't change their vowel shape. So we want to make sure that that last little chord, 63, is in tune and that, again, they're not blowing too hard to make a tuning issue, quote unquote, happen when actually it's just a balance issue. And then the ending, making sure the last note says the word tone. Ta, tone. Make sure it's a full value quarter note at the oh, end. Open throat release on that. And I know it's marked fortissimo at the end, but again, like with that whole recipe idea, fortissimo doesn't mean like crazy loud. It needs to right. be with their very best sound, tone quality being the most important thing. Absolutely. Well, we hope that this is really helpful and that you will consider using Dance Celebration in one of your upcoming programs. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Band, Band BFS. BFS.